Okay. Hello and welcome everyone to our Spider-Man Homecoming edition of the SDA podcast. Today I'm your moderator, Kai, um, the youngest of the group. I called himself out right away. I love it. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go around the table, the virtual table and real table here, and uh, allow everyone else on our podcast to introduce themselves real quickly. Uh, to my left. Arthur Wu, comic book nerd, nerd and geek. Uh, Nick, more of a novice and kind of a point of view general uh, audience. And on the phone. This is Dot. Um, I- I'm an old guy like Arthur is from the old days of comics. And <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Our final caller. This is uh, Anthony Vu. Uh, just a regular guy. Uh, Ronald, uh, we're missing one of our our SDA members, Ronald Wong, right now, but hopefully he'll call in and uh, add his review as well. Yes, our resident DC fan. That's right. Poor soul. Oh, <laughs> oh, gosh. But as we continue, today I have landed the unfortunate job of being the moderator for... Honor. Or honor. For our wonderful homecoming of Marvel's flagship character, Spider-Man. So let me jump into it quickly. A little bit of background here. Uh, Spider-Man debuted in 1962. In the issue labeled uh, Amazing Fantasy, which I, I believe was an anthology at the time. Yep. Um, and it was created by our favorite Stan Lee and writer slash artist Steve Ditko. Um, of course, Spider-Man has enjoyed a very, very long career in the Marvel comic universe. And he's gone through multiple stages of his life, from being a orphan child all the way to being a um, successful freelance photographer slash the superhero that many people love and generally associate the Marvel brand with. Um, Before we jump into the main movie discussion, I want to do a little bit of a peek at the rope gallery that we saw a little bit in the movie. We, of course, have our main villain, the Vulture, who uh, appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man issue number two. Adrian Toomes is the character, and he actually employs a uh, harness of his own design and is a recurring member of the Sinister Six, also created by Lee Ditko. You have the Shocker, who is your regular run-of-the-mill bank robber, who also creates his own suit that sends shockwaves. Not necessarily part of the core Sinister Six, but appears sometimes in some of the other iterations of the Sinister Syndicate if you want to call it that way, um, created by Lee as well as John Romita Sr. And then finally, the little less obvious character, the Tinkerer, actually has a more of a more obscure history. Uh, he's someone, Phineas Mason, who just happens to have a great knack for mechanical engineering. Um, he had a run where he basically created a bunch of fake aliens and mocked an invasion for Spider-Man to deal with, um, and also just happens to have Recurring roles, helping certain buildings with whatever weapons and, and armor. So these are real characters, and are they more like OG like Spider-Man? Because I didn't, I didn't recognize them from the regular stockpile of Spider-Man. They are definitely the Vulture. Vulture is. 
Yeah, the Buffer right. and the Vulture is the longest. Um, and oh. in that order, basically, he has it there. Right. And Arthur, our resident Spider-Man uh, true fan, can correct me on any of these things. These characters that showed up in the movie. and You're missing Aaron. one, but uh, we can talk about that later. Yep. Nicely done, by the way. I'm proud of you, man. <laughs> and so, of course, the big question is, will the Sinister Six show up in some way, shape, or form with Tom Holland's new long contract with the MCU? Um, of course, unfortunately, Doc Ock is the main lead of the Sinister Six and is someone who, of course, uh, owns the, the, the absolute rights to. Um, and in fact, there's been talk of previously a Sinister Six movie that the Sony company wanted to do, but this is just interesting for that. And so finally, a few select Easter eggs. There's actually a huge load of Easter eggs in this movie. Um, Spider-Man's first encounter with the Vulture has Michael Keaton dropping Tom Holland into the lake with a full wingspan illuminated by the moon in the background. For those who get that Batman reference, Hello. I've enjoyed <laughs> I missed that part. A little bit of a homage to Keaton's performance. Uh, Aaron Davis, some of the more obvious uh, Easter eggs, portrayed by Donald Glover, who himself has wanted to be Spider-Man for a while, um, acts as the uncle to an infamous character, Miles Morales. And so there's a lot of theory behind this as well, between how Marvel Studios is going to juggle the Spider-Man mantle alongside this character, Miles Morales, who's often the pseudo-successor to Spider-Man. Um, during the iconic hero scene in the movie, this is a direct homage to the Amazing Spider-Man number 33 issue, where Spider-Man has to go through the exact sequence that Tom Holland did to rescue himself from the wreckage. And some little fun things, uh, the Ned character in the movie was actually a cross-representation of the Ned Leeds comic book character, who is a rival to Peter and actually steals his love interest, Betty Brandt, who is also in this movie, where Gonky Lee is actually Miles Morales' comic book affable guy in the chair character. So they've swapped the names, but they've mostly portrayed the Gonky character in this movie. Um, however, Betty Brandt and Liz Allen in the movie have switched roles here. Betty Brandt is often portrayed as the first love interest for Spider-Man, during his high school days. And of course, there's a few other more subtle nods as well to Silk, who's another Spider-Man-esque superhero, Mark Bagley, who's a very famous and renowned artist for both Spider-Man and Ultimate vs. Spider-Man. And of course, our end credits, Scorpion, and a few other honorable mentions as well, which I'm sure will go over in the podcast. And so that closes it for me for this intro for this big character. And as a moderate, I would love to uh, open the floor for our first reviewer, uh, and I'll pick Dot on the phone. Awesome. Thanks, Kai. Good job. Um, I'm proud of you. Nicely done. Nice job. Good job. Nice and short. All right. So let me open it. Um, I'll open and say first off that um, you know we've been waiting for uh, uh, an MCU Spider-Man for a long time, and and that I actually did enjoy. The original Tobey Maguire ones, at least one and two, I thought three was atrocious. Um, <laughs> uh, the the Thank second you. set, with Andrew Garfield, I actually thought the first one was okay. The issue I had with it was that um, you know he looked like a good Peter Parker, but 
he didn't quite embody the spirit of Peter Parker that I thought, but I thought his Spider-Man was, was really good. Um, but the story itself I felt was, um, um, not epic enough, although, you know, Spider-Man didn't necessarily need to be, there was something missing about it. Something, there was a, a mood that wasn't quite right. Second one, I never bothered watching at all. And, you know, kind of like I always do with, with Superman, other than the Superman franchise, the other one that I always want to do awesome, awesomely well is Spider-Man. So I was really looking forward to seeing what the MCU Spider-Man was going to be. And, um, when I saw what Tom Holland did with it in Civil War, I was, you know, over the moon with how good he came across and, and everything they did around him, including how they didn't necessarily spend time on uh, his background and how he came to be in Origins, which, you know, very much was missing in this movie, too, um, which I'm also OK with, because, as you guys know, they didn't really mention Uncle Ben in here um, and um, some other aspects of his origin. They didn't spend a lot of time, too, which I'm, I'm really happy about. But, you know, fans will be fans and, you know, nothing's perfect to them. And now they're asking, where is it? But I think they're going to save it for later. Um, if if I were just to tell you, you know, what I thought about this movie, I'd tell you I thought it was was excellent. Um, I thought it was so good that, you know, I find it very difficult to complain about anything. And even when I came out of the movie, um, when it was over, uh, I tried my best to nitpick. And I thought I found something that I couldn't pick about. But after more discussion about it with my wife and a few other friends as well, I found that they really weren't they couldn't be nitpicks either because they were likely intentional. I could see where they might have been going with it. And the thing I'll call out specifically, because after the movie's over, the one thing that I didn't like was the fact that you have now this character, um, Adrian Toons, who is now knows who Spider-Man's identity is, and Spider-Man let him go into your normal sort of everyday prison with a bunch of other thieves and thugs who have a, a sense that they know who he is. I thought that, that was you know, a, a writing failure, and that they didn't account for it or, or, or it was, um, bad plotting. But I actually think if you look at the clues in the movie throughout the entire, um, show, you'll find that, um, it makes a lot of sense that he would keep it to himself. His motivations unknown, be it that he really is just an average Joe who didn't intend to be a mean, evil guy or, um, you know, it's seething inside of him. He's saving it up for himself. We don't know. But either way, it was really well done. And however the writers want to go with it, I thought it was, I thought it's going to be appropriate no matter how they do it. Um, effects were great. Writing was great. Not too much Iron Man, which was awesome. You know, I'm glad he's there because the truth is that although I didn't grow up with an Iron Man and Spider Man relationship, the current narrative that they have in the Marvel comics as well as the animated universe is that they're, they're, they're quite tight and they're tight, they're tied together. But you know, this makes a lot of sense, especially if you look at, um, MCU versus the old comics where, you know, the MCU is, is trying to create a narrative of a hero's world where they all live and exist in the same space. Um, whereas the comics used to operate, you know, uh, and they still kind of do when they're in their own issues as, as independent and individual, um, characters in their own sort of mini universe and a large universe. But this was great because to me, in, in a lot of ways, it locked down Spider-Man in the MCU. All the rumors we heard before the movies about him possibly only being in for the movie and Sony actually wrestling control back and him not being there long term, I think, are completely dispelled. I don't see how they can separate that anymore. And, and I'm super excited to see more Spider-Man in the MCU. Um, but, uh, you know, loved pretty much everything about the movie. Could forgive or accept all the changes that they decided to make over what I grew up with, which is more of the, the 1980s, 1990s Spider-Man. Um, including whether or not Zendaya is going to be the MJ, right? Um, I think 
you know, I think some of you might touch on that later. Um, but they basically had Zendaya come in as this character, Michelle, who, um, was more or less an obsessed geek friend of Peter's. Um, and it turns out the very end of the day, she reveals herself as being, you know, MJ. But, like Kevin Feige said, not Mary Jane, right? Because Mary Jane is Mary Jane and she's, I guess she's Michelle Jones or something to that effect. <laughs> I have no idea what they're going to do with it. I, I actually do hope they bring back red-haired Mary Jane, um, you know, and this is sort of a mislead. Um, but that character herself I thought was fun. Um, and I love, to the the balance between um, being a new young hero, which has been unseen in the Marvel Universe up till now, the MCU at least, and really believing that the um, challenges he had as a teenager and as a superhero and someone who wanted to be a great superhero were um, significant and relevant. And uh, I, I really did enjoy watching um, them go through. And as a matter of fact, I only want to call out what I thought was the best sequence in the whole movie in terms of things I liked. And that was specifically the part where uh, he goes to pick up uh, Liz for uh, their date. And uh, the vulture opens the door. Everything from that point to the point that uh, he left Liz at the dance to go after the vulture, I thought was excellent because he said such few words, but the interactions that happened in, in that space of time were among the best I've seen in the MCU in terms of just overall um, selling emotions um, without overdoing the the environment, the scenery, and, and, and the acting itself. So, that's that's um, one really good thing about uh, I think Michael Keaton's acting is that he yeah. he can switch from like a normal guy and like in a second he can just be like this crazy maniacal uh, you know he may, he can do that twist very easily and I think we've we've seen him do it before and yeah I agree I thought uh, actor. I thought the scene was great as well absolutely you know I've always enjoyed Michael Keaton as an actor um, at least in the things that I've seen him. And, you know, he does have that quality and sort of that professionalism and that, that, um, history and skill to pull off these kinds of things. And, and I didn't know what I was going to think of him coming to the movie because, um, I've seen him quite a bit, actually. I think in Robocop, he's been in Birdman. Um, he's actually been quite around and it, it just seemed like a too, too known face that I thought would be distracted by him being Michael Keaton. But I thought that, that he actually, um, in some ways kind of stole the show, um, his his bad guy to the Spider-Man, I thought, was excellent. And he is, you know, and they wrote this one in the long tradition of Spider-Man villains who have sort of a sympathetic background, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that they're they're sort of doing that still. I don't know if, if that's a big running theme for Spider-Man as a character, um, but I, I really like it because, you know, the world isn't as easy as black and white being evil. Um, but at the end of the day, um, fantastic movie. I had a fantastically great time. Had no real issues with pacing, dialogue, acting, plotting, none of that. Um, it's going to be an easy review for me. Nice. Well, Dad, I said we should say some, you know, some good things, but not all good. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I'm going to look forward to see what you guys say, and, and even, you know, we make fun of Kai, but but I'm really curious to see how nitpicky he can get about it. And whether or not, you know, there's any, you know, real substantial, tangible merit behind nitpicking on this one. Um, but wow. we'll see. <laughs> okay. We'll see. <laughs> Kai's you know? ultimate yeah. and, and with that, you know, my, my next pick is Kai. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's how much we love you. 
Yeah, man. Shit. Up respect, guy. Right now. <laughs> All right. Good night. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> Here we go. Well, I'm buckling up, strapping in. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall in for your bait here. <laughs> I, might, I don't even want to use the word nitpicky because I think that's garbage. Um, but what is garbage? He's nitpicking about your word nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> Quick quibbles. Issues. No, um, I was I, I didn't really care for Spider Man the character in general growing up. Um, I was introduced to it, of course, unfortunately by the Tobey Maguire version. Mm. That the Tobey Maguire version was complete garbage. And actually, searching through some of the content about Spider Man subsequently. Um, gave me a better idea of why they might have went that direction. He's supposed to be a character that started as an orphan and then struggles with this deep guilt for what happens to his Uncle Ben and how he kind of works through that trauma as a superhero. And I felt like the that version and even the subsequent version with Andrew Garfield still kind of goes a little bit too far in having this really mopey, depressed, you know, kind of just shut down character of a wet blanket superhero that is Spider-Man, which was in the last two cinematic runs. And so here, uh, I'm super happy. And of course, they get to learn a little bit from history because, you know, Marvel Studios obviously wouldn't ignore the disaster that was the, the other two. Um, they decided to keep his origin very concise, but also still stay true to what motivates him, which is the core of his moral fabric. And the, and the way that it's displayed is young, at least. Um, because I actually really enjoyed the way that they portrayed his adolescence and the way he was handling high school in general. Um, because sometimes you have a lot of superheroes that, through their origin story, somehow just mature super quickly. But hey, I, Ty, are you old enough to know who John Hughes is in his movies? <laughs> You're stealing my review. Stop it. Keep, keep going. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's okay. No, no. Go, pull go for back, it. Go pull back. That for Arthur. I don't know who John Hughes is. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> See, relevant, relevant question. Keep going. And so, I was really happy with the way that they portrayed his innocence, the way that he was growing during high school, and a lot of, like, like Dot said, a lot of his awkwardness and interactions with his classmates were very palpable and very believable. The way that he handled his romance with Liz, the way that he was struggling with his popularity at the party, yep. how Flash was bullying him, and then how he was dealing with his kind of attachment to Tony and what that meant to him, you know, whether he really was trying to, you know, just simply be a part of the Avengers, um, and with that goal is good enough, and how he's going to kind of balance what he personally wants and what the superhero identity Spider-Man would eventually be, which is always that tug and pull between his two identities. So I thought they did a really good job of that in not bearing... Sorry to interrupt against Kai. I wanted to point out while you're sort of calling out some of the different angles that they took, I, I and and especially the one where you're talking about him being mopey in the other versions. Um, I loved how they made it so that they really illustrate the idea that he loved being Spider-Man and doing Spider-Man things where he's in class, the clock's ticking down. He just want to go run out in the alley, put on his costume and go 
go do things, right? And I thought that that was great because, you know, one of the things that, that Spider-Man was is he was fun. The fact that he talks, he seems to enjoy his job. Um, they really, they really honored that aspect of the character. And I also thought that that helped us sort of enjoy the character too, right? And so, um, I thought that was important to call that out. Yeah, actually, I actually interpreted that a little bit differently. Um, but I felt it still came full circle. I felt the initial in jittery wanting to be out of, out of the class was still very much tied to his desire to be a part of the Avengers. And, I would agree with that. And that his, at least in this movie, right? And and that his job as Spider-Man, they did definitely enjoy that he subconsciously enjoyed it, which I think was key to his final decision. Which I thought was what really came full circle to say that he was, you know, his his subconscious desire was his true desire which is to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and not so much be a part of the greater fabric yet. I agree with you guys on that. I do agree that it was probably more about him wanting to impress people, but I just felt that sort of undertone to the whole thing too. Yeah. And of course the desire to impress people is a very young, young desire to, to do so. And then of course he, he learns that that's not necessarily something that's key to his, to his, um, his identity. Um, and I thought one of the best ways that they, Kind of portrayed that too was his conversations with Karen, right? Um, <laughs> his conversations with Karen were a completely different level, and it shows an aspect of his loneliness because he's a superhero that can't talk to Tony, can't talk to Happy, can't talk to Ned, um, and finally he has to talk to this computer about who he is, <laughs> what he likes, and it kind of becomes his therapist, which is kind of fun. Um, but what I didn't like, as another like kind of full character here, is Ned. Um, if there's one thing that I didn't like about this film was actually Ned. Wow. And I'm, it's not, I'm not someone who like generally hates on like the kind of the nerdy, like best friend type character, but I, and I felt like he, he played the role and maybe the scripting could have been a little bit better, but I just felt every single time that that kid opened his mouth, I wanted to strangle him. <laughs> and, I actually, I feel like it was a little overdone. A lot yeah. of times you, I felt like it was a little bit annoying to me. And maybe that's true to the, the writing and the acting, but I felt it was just too much where there are almost some meta moments where I'm looking at Tom Holland and I'm listening to this Ned character and I'm just like, holy shit, dude, like, just shut up. Like, <laughs> stop, like, quit. Like, what is your problem? You know? <laughs> and it's because he's supposed to be like super smart, but then like the way he acts sometimes is like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It just, I, it completely disconnected for me where he, you know, is this like really dumb, but like really easily excitable character, right? That's just latching on to Spider-Man. And then somehow he has the ability to hack Tony Stark's Spider-Man suit for him. Well, not just that, after he does that, he's smart enough to say like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that. I'm like, why would he suddenly be like responsible? Yeah. And all the other time he's like, you should do this, you should do that. And, all the and it was just, oh man, I, I just really couldn't get into that character. And it was a big turnoff every time, pretty much that he was on the screen. Um, the only time that I kind of enjoyed him was actually when he was finally quote unquote that guy in the chair and made that, you know, hilarious porn comment about how, uh, you're doing the library. <laughs> that was the best the joke old. in the movie, I think. Like the biggest <laughs> laugh in my theater. Yeah. It, it's interesting that you call that one out. I can see where you're coming from from that one. I didn't feel it at the time, but if I really thought about it, it might be the way. I think it, it borderlined on possibly feeling it was overdone. I thought it was okay, but I agree. They pulled back on it. Could have been better. Yeah, it was just 
Ugh, I just couldn't stand that character. Okay. And then on the, on the flip side, right, of course, um, I felt MJ's quips and scenes, the few scenes that she had, great scenes. Whether she needed to be MJ at the end, up for debate, mm. but what for what she was during the film, much more enjoyable than Ned. Like I pretty much liked every character except for Ned. Wow. But anyway, as my as my ending <laughs> here as as a as a main point, my favorite part of the movie actually, um, and something that I feel like most movies struggle with, even the MCU, is that the vulture in this movie, um, Michael Keaton, his villain arc is one of the best villain arcs. And mostly because of the fact it's grounded on something that's so simple but explicit. Like, I, I, I would even go back to, no, I don't want to use Ant-Man as an example, but um, it's so hard to really get into these types of more more um, intimate stories when you don't really care about the villain either. And the only reason why you get these really great scenes like the car scene with the dad talk and the way that, um, you know, Spider-Man and Vulture interact at the end is that they give a lot of, credit and, and build up for the villain as well, you know, because they show from the beginning that the vulture is someone who was directly affected, you know, perhaps by a poor decision that he made, right, by what happened in, in the city, and then he gets screwed by, by the Avengers, and then he decides to take it down a dark path um, and create something of himself for the pure simple reason of, you know, taking care of himself and his family. Right, I mean, obviously, he employs some more nefarious usages, but it, it keeps it it keeps it simple. All he wanted to do was just steal a bunch of weird tech, sell it to make money, and that's it. He didn't have some yeah. grand plan to destroy the world, he's destroy like a, New York City. He's like a symbolic vulture. Yeah, like picking the carcass exactly, of yeah, 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 right? the human vulture. Right. Question. Um, question. Question, Kai. So right. I, I'm with you. I I really like this villain. Uh, some of like the negative feedback, and, and I I didn't see any problem with it either. Uh, yeah. that the villain got was that the, the leap from when he got de- rejected for the contract to eight years later, he's well, all of a sudden he's a bad guy. It was such a leap. There was no art there. It just seemed like it was very quick. Did you have any problems with that? Yes. So actually that's a good reminder that, um, so during that, that, that leap to me, I agree was actually a big one for me because here you got a simple contractor who's dealing with this tech and then suddenly he's got a full blown operation in eight years. Now the, the the key issue there was the tinker. Now for me, he's the smart one. I had no clue who the tinker was, nor did they give the tinker any amount of screen time to set up who he was. And so suddenly, I'm supposed to believe that this goon that works with the vulture is capable of helping him set up this huge operation that goes unnoticed for eight years with well, these alien, like, alien tech. I feel like he wasn't a, after eight years. He wasn't a bad guy. He was just like selling arms. Like he's going he compared himself to Tony Stark, right? He's just He's like an arms dealer, but he yeah. didn't see himself as an evil person. He wasn't I, trying to be evil, he was just trying to sell. But that, and, but that wasn't really the core issue, is the fact that he, his operation gets up to speed, so... Eight years is a good amount of time. The problem with that is like eight years is like, okay. I was yeah. glad when they did that. I thought they were going to do it in like yeah, two years, in like five years. A few months, then okay, Absolutely. maybe. But eight years, I'm like, yeah, you can do a lot in eight years. No, it's yeah, a long so. time, but like there's, there's this weird push and pull, right? So you do that for eight years, but somehow no one notices you. Well, well, they explained those yeah, parts. Yeah, he's off the grid. They're trying to keep it low. To right? me, exactly. just being off the grid is hand wavy, you know? Because I, I, I get, 
if anything, I feel Spider-Man in the movie's issue where it's just where he's like dumbfounded. How is no one dealing with this? Well, you know, he's an underground person. He's not out there to rule the world or, or make a statement. He's just trying to make money. Yeah, right. And even his haul is is focused around getting quantity so he can keep sort of a low key business. He wasn't looking to become the giant of the world. Right. Um, he, he actually gives up on times. It's like, you know what? Let's walk away from this. A few times right. he was doing something. Like, you know what? It's not worth it. So he's smart enough to know that don't go too far. Right. We don't need to be so, you know, so, so obvious to people and stay under the radar. He was, he's not about making a statement. He's just doing stuff under the radar. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's debatable on how, you know, either, um, how loud that they wanted to sell their weapons or not. Yeah. Uh, but I think to me, going back to your initial issue, Anthony, it, I think it was the fact that the tinker wasn't clear. Because to me, he's the catalyst for all this in the movie, right? He He's pretty much the one that enables the Vulture to do the whole operation. He's the one who develops all this tech for that group to sell. Um, but he gets little to no screen time at all or establishment of this character. He's I'll just, be honest. I think that that was semi-intentional. I think that a lot of things that you think might need more explanation is being uh, leaked slowly because it's going to build into the larger story. I think they spent a, a lot less time on exposition um, for good reason. Um, I think it's all going to come back. That's my my thought. Yeah. I think, yeah. To me, it's just a blip anyway. Mm-hmm. I just accept it as the audience at the time that I'm like, okay, this, this random dude that he knows Clearly is apparently very good with mm-hmm. the tech, and I'm just gonna accept that. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I had to do to say and this is how it's operating. It wasn't just the tinker; they did allude that his other members knew the stuff too. Like the first talker, he said, "Hey, you can't do any of this stuff without me." So you're implying that that guy knows stuff too, but then he got killed, right? Because you know they had a little argument. So I don't think it was all the tinkerer. I get the impression well, that it was him. Well, to me, that was more just a henchman thing, saying, "Hey, you can't do this without me because I'm." I'm part of the muscle. I thought of it as both, but anyway. So, but Kai, you weren't in your seat saying, "Oh, come on!" type reaction, right? Not all the way. Right. <laughs> Just like three quarters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, sure. This guy is apparently very good at alien tech. Whatever. Let's just get on with it. You know, it's just like a subtle assumption without knowing that he was the teacher. But the the the, the motivations and even the way that the vulture sticks to his his moral fiber was something that I really enjoyed for the film. And I think someone who protects his family and respect that that level of loyalty. Loyalty is something that's very, very strict and 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 true to him and he, he portrays that in the movie. Both in the way that he kills someone who portrays him and then also doesn't portray Spider Man in revealing his name for whatever reason it is. Um, Spider-Man also chases through to his character and saves him uh, because every life is worth saving. And well, he accidentally uh, killed the henchman. He said, "Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I think it's extremely it's important to call the fact that remorse, right? he's not a killer. There's, there's yeah, really no remorse. but he was he wasn't there to like, kill people. Yeah. He's not like the kingpin where oh you know you screwed up or you crossed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's no. like crap. Oh well. In a movie. Yeah. <laughs> no." And that kill was accidental. He thought it was a levitation gun or something. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, but but the point is that, hey, you start my family, you're dead, that's okay by me, but I'm not, quote-unquote, a killer. Yeah, exactly. So he's loyal. Cause he, Which is, I still think is mental gymnastics for a villain, but, you know, whatever, right? Um, okay. 
And so I, I really like them as a villain movie. Simple, stayed true to the way that his character developed. And of course, the, the twist in him being Liz's father was hilarious. Um, I did not see it coming. Nobody yeah, did. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think a lot of people did. I, I, in, yeah. yeah, I heard a lot of gas in my, in yeah, my theater. There was a lot of gasping in the theater when I watched it. Got Everyone's like, <gasps> Yeah. It, was, it was cool, and it makes sense, right? And like that, that diverse kind of like the cast that they have and the, and the world that they're in. I have a comment about that, but I'll talk about it later on. So okay, sure. Right on. And so those are my main points. And I might elaborate on something new, something you mentioned. Yep. The next person I'll call is uh, Anthony. All right. I got a lot. <laughs> All right. I, I might have like twenty points here. Um, okay, so just real quick, I'll be I'll be real quickly about uh, real quick about it. Uh, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Um, it's he's probably my favorite Marvel character. Um, okay. I used to watch the '90s Spider-Man animated series. I watched what I think is the ideal per, like ideal rendition of Spider-Man, which is spectacular. Wait, is that Spider-Man. his Amazing Friends or is that some some other version? The '90s one, the one when they had X-Men like at the same time on Fox. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I know. Oh, okay, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That was, to me, like, the ideal, like, well, that and Spectacular Spider-Man kind of combined, to me, as the ideal renditions of, uh, of Spider-Man to me. So, yeah, I used to read novels and comics stuff. I love them a lot. Um, all right, Spider-Man Homecoming. I, uh, I'm going to start with the good. I really like, I really like how this story, it, it felt like it, it organically fit into the MCU. It didn't feel like there was too much of, of uh, just, you know, shoving stuff in here just, just because it was MCU and that it would um, make the story better. I felt it was really well done, um, mm-hmm. just organically. Um, the second thing, uh, his villain, again, we, I, we covered that quite a bit. Um, I also like, call, I want to call it the suit. The, I thought the suit was really, it just looked really cool and it was very simple. It's just him in a bomber jacket that kind of, it had the, the 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 collar that was very similar to the vultures kind of. I like I like, this, I like the little attention to detail. Yeah, uh, the classic right. vulture feather collar. Right, mm. and they just made the green the green eyes, which like made it like yeah. kind of creepy and yeah. Again, throw back to the to the comic uh, costume. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, highlight scenes. Uh, we, I think we talked about the car scene already. Um, the villain reveal. And I really liked the the rubble scene when Peter, or sorry, when Spider Man stuck underneath the rubble, um, and he yes. he's crying out like uh, I know we talked about it at the uh, at the beginning, but he's like crying out. I thought, uh, yeah, it was just really well done. It felt like it was a kid, right? Like you know all the you know all this rubble was on him, and he's like you know screaming out for somebody to help, you know. And, and I thought it was, uh, yeah, really well done, and kind of just gave him the whole. Hero mentality that he needed. Yeah, to. I want to highlight that point that you're saying, Anthony. You didn't just cry out; he was full on crying like a little baby. Yeah, I was like, whoa. right. And that—that that, cool. I think that's really important because that reminds us, if we seem to have forgotten, that he's a kid. A kid, exactly. Right, he's struggling with the idea of, you know, this is real. This, this is what it really means to be in these kinds of situations. Um, and 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 they did more character development in that moment than a lot of other movies, you know, do over an entire course of a movie so i thought that's a really great call out yeah no i yeah i think that's one of the highlights of the uh, of the movie for sure um i think this is a really good start for young peter parker um you know yeah. i'm excited to see where the, where they go with him um and then my last point is like i like 
I like seeing Spider-Man outside of the city. Um, there's, I think there's a scene where he's just like running in the golf course because yeah. he's no, he has nowhere to like shoot his right. uh, spider webs and swing, right? So, um, Spider-Man in the suburbs. Yeah, it was just, he was kind of like useless yeah. traveling. Exactly. And, and there's two things. So Nick says Ferris Bueller, that's a scene from a classic, mm-hmm. that, but also there's a classic comic book run. Um, that there's a writer that does that where he has to do something in a different city and he's hopping on trains and he's hopping on cars because he doesn't know how to get around because there's no buildings <laughs> to swing on. Yeah. So it's a total callback to that, which I loved. So yeah. I'm glad you called it out. Oh, no, so, yeah. I, I, suburbs, basically. <laughs> yeah, I really like that too. Okay, so that was all the good stuff. Um, the go. bad. All right. <laughs> uh, one of the things I was a little bummed about was that, uh, so in Civil War, I felt like they were building him up as like the ideal Spider-Man. Like he was a smart ass. He had a ton of quips. You know, there's a scene where he's fighting with Falcon and Bucky, and you know, I think somebody says, uh, "Did somebody tell you, you know, you talk too much for a fight or something like that?" Oh, some something yeah. like that. And <laughs> I felt like that wasn't there in this movie. Like they prepared him in that movie, and I, I, I feel like we didn't get enough. And pro- probably the reason why. Um, is because we got the Iron Man suit, from, or, or the, the suit from Iron Man. And so okay. what happened is now he, he's talking to uh, Karen, right? I think Karen was the name. And yeah. instead of, like, sending out quips that he would say to himself or he would say to the villain, he's now kind of, like, interacting with her. And it just felt, like, a little bit like Iron Man Jr., right? Like, Iron Man talks to Jarvis, Spider-Man okay. was kind of talking to, <laughs> to Karen. I feel like, but if they did that, what, I feel like they probably would have overdone it. Like, one of the things they, they'll, they'll ruin it. Yeah, I'm the same. Could be with every villain, he'd be like. I mean, he did a fair amount, at least yeah. on the boat and other parts. I felt, for me. I felt the same as you, Arthur. It seemed to me that if you think about the bank robber scene, or even the part where he's just going around the bike guy and the carjacker, he did it. And, and for him to not do it during the final vulture scene was appropriate because he was going through, um, emotions that, were hard to figure probably for himself, but he only really does that when he's somewhat comfortable in the fight. I, I disagree. I, I think that's that's not Spider-Man. Then, like to me, well, it's he, not Spider-Man. Uh, he does it in extreme stress situations uh, because it's a coping mechanism, but it's also a weapon to throw the person off balance. But it's also in confident situations as well. So it doesn't really matter to me. Like, he he does it. It's just part of him. Okay, so, anyway. that's part of exactly. To me, I, I think it's part of him, and he just does it and. There wasn't enough of that for me. Uh, enough I mean, throughout, or specifically in the vulture scene, or all throughout over. the whole movie. I just I, I didn't think there was enough uh, of that. Like I didn't even think that the comments were that even like smart smart ass. Like it, it just wasn't as witty as I'm I'm used to reading in Spider-Man comics or, or you know seeing in the animated series. It just wasn't. It didn't hit those things for me. Um, uh, okay, the next thing I had was like. The, I wanted more, uh, I think they built this up a lot as like a John Hughes movie, John Hughes movie, John Hughes movie. I like John Hughes movies. I didn't feel like, I, I wish there was more. There was a lot of classroom scenes, but it, it just, di- I don't know why, it just didn't feel like it was, it, it went fully there for me. And so, no breakfast, sorry, no breakfast club? It, it just wasn't enough. Like I, wa- I wanted more. <laughs> I, I liked like the whole, I liked the whole high school scene. And and when he was there, you know, it was great. But then it just, you know, it was a lot of pulling him there, and then he was out, and I don't know. It just 
I wish I a more. Explain to Kai what a John Hughes movie is. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> yeah you're going to have to go watch. You should just give him a list of movies to watch. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah it's he's a director. Director. I think he, he passed away a few years I ago. I kind of think Kai will hate it, though. <laughs> uh, he's well known for, for directing really um, good uh, coming-of-age young adult-type movies. Mm. Um, that aren't necessarily like you know cheap gags or lowbrow humor. It's smart. So Edge is seventeen. Yeah, like Breakfast Club, and You've he heard does all movies. It's, it's a little more cheesy think, too. I think you'll like it. And, and he has a knack for that voice of the young adult and or teen. Oh, babies. Yeah, but without having it to be so stupid or lowbrow or cheap humor, like he really captures the essence and the struggles or the 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 highs and lows of being that age and that point in life. So a lot of his movies are well known for that. Um, it's, it's why he's really celebrated for, you know, yeah. That type of, there's so. some there's some cheesiness he does as well, but I think he does it well. Like it's very his his comic or the way he, his style. So I, smart I versus dumb. Yeah. Um, a couple more points. The jokes, I would say eighty percent of them didn't hit for me. Ninety percent of them didn't hit for me. Um, um, the porn one did. Uh, even my theater was just kind of quiet for most. Wait, wait, which jokes were these? Could, yeah, you're calling out a few, but I'd like to hear which ones. I, I didn't get a feel like that, but I'm curious which ones you felt. Oh, I don't know. That's what I, I mean. That's oh uh, yeah. I mean, just in general, you just felt like they were hidden, like or missing. Really, yeah, yeah, they just I don't know. Didn't hit the mirror mm. or the crowd that I was in. Um, a weird plot point. So the Washington, the DC monument, when they're up there, they, they, he's holding the core from that weapon. And it kind of conveniently gets activated while they're up there. I was like, huh? Like, they didn't really, like, explain why, you know? Sp- like, um, Spider-Man finds out that it's it's a bomb. It's the X-rays. He's like, I have to go. Sorry? It, when they sent it through the X-ray device, it was bombarding it with radiation, which is what activates it. Oh, is that what they said? I See, I yeah. must have missed that then. Okay. Okay. Yep. You know, that, that explains it. Yeah, thing. it was the scanning. Security scanning. Is got, what it, did got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh-huh. Um... I did not feel like the action scenes were too, like, they weren't anything special. They were fine. Um, they're not too memorable for me. Uh, I, I feel like in, in the other MCU movies, there's at least one or two. I mean, even in Thor 2, like, that, that portal uh, fighting scene at the end was, like, unique. Uh, I didn't feel like anything was too special here. Um, and this is, I think this, this next point is going to go against... Uh, what Dad said, but something about Spider-Man being alone is why I always kind of sympathize with him. He, in the other movies, I felt like kind of like that. Uh, the Tobey Maguire ones, I mean, because he never like should, he never should revealed who he was, and I always felt like he was alone. Even in the cartoons, like Aunt May hated him, uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson hated him. Yeah. Uh, nobody really ended up like like, like you know they, they ended up they all hated him and I just feel like this one he kind of revealed himself to Ned uh, Tony Stark obviously knows who he well, is he always had he people Ned and but I'll talk about that later but please keep going uh, and I'm with you Anthony so. okay okay um, yeah and I feel like he always had other like Karen I always felt like he was, was with people so he, I didn't feel um, as bad for him as like the Peter Parker I knew growing up so yeah because he's the original hard luck hero. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He just sure, everything. Break, the hard luck hero <laughs> and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then the last kind of like this is a super super nitpick. Um, uh, two parts. First part, I think Aunt May was a little underserved. Uh, 
didn't really use her much at all. She's kind of just like the hot. Which I'm okay with. Um, and then my other issue, and maybe this is just like I'm an Asian. Like, I'm Asian. <laughs> is that <laughs> they kept on calling her May, and I was like, yeah, I know that. Oh, Aunt May. <laughs> Aunt May. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, this is some contemporary adjustment that they're doing. Um, so that was my little minor nitpick. Um, just little things. I, I felt like Easter eggs were the... They had the best Easter eggs of, of, of any MCU movie. Um, Scorpion, we talked about at the uh, mid credit scene. Shocker's gauntlets. I don't know if you guys had figured that out, but apparently they're the same ones that were picked up in um, Civil War from Crossbones. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah. I only has one of them. That's a stretch for me. I thought, you know, you didn't really have to connect it that way, but that's fine. You know, I read about the same thing. It. I kind of yeah, liked no. it. I like um, it. The Cap's new shield. What is? Why is Tony Stark building a new shield for Cap? That's yeah, aren't they fighting? Yeah. <laughs> probably, you know, just making you know technology. He's always making it. Okay, sure. You know. Well, no. If you think about the end of Civil War, or though, maybe he had but... it before then, and then just happened to have it keep going, and didn't, you know. It, it could have been done at the same time as he was cool with Cap, and then that, that those incidents happened. So it's like, he took his shield at the end too, right? Yeah. So yeah, it could be it could be shield. explained easily. I feel, but anyway. Oh, no, I'm not, yeah, yeah. No, I just think it was kind of interesting. I'm not. I'm not. It's nothing against yeah. these things. The Easter eggs. Uh, Thor's belt. Uh, I'm sure you guys know what that does, right? A magic belt, right? What does it do? It enhances the strength or something. I forgot. It like, um, doubles his strength. His R right. like strong strength. Yeah. So it doubles his strength. Um, uh, Damage control. Damage control. The, the principal. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, um, he's like the grandson of the, the Howling Commandos. Yep, grandson the of the actor. Howling Commando. Same actor from Captain America yep. One. Principal Marita. What was Damage Control? Was... So Damage Control is the group that cleans up after superhero messes. In the comic books, they're called Damage Control. So they, in the beginning, when they go and try to take over for for Adrian, right? They they basically acknowledge that Damage Control exists in the Marvel universe, which is kind of cool. Yeah. The ones who get paid to go clean up messes after the superheroes fight, right? <laughs> There's somebody's got to clean up that stuff. So it's it's usually a comedy in the books, you know. Yeah, it was going to be a TV series, but then it got canceled. <laughs> yeah, we don't know if it'll happen or not, but yeah, no, it was no. a Easter egg. And then the last one is uh, the Iron Spider suit at the end. That I believe that that um, uh, Spider-Man suit at the end is from the Civil War kind of rewrite they did. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. A lot of a lot of Easter eggs. A lot of Easter eggs. I I, I enjoyed looking at them all up and, and uh, noticing some of them inside there. So uh, overall, I I enjoyed the film. Um, for me, I have to put it at Spider Man Two in terms of uh, uh, movie Spider Man movies. Um, I like both a lot. I guess we'll find out at the end, but maybe which one do you actually like better? If someone forced you to pick one. Um, this is Spider-Man Two was your favorite, right? I, I think. Wait, is that the Tobey Maguire? How could any of the Spider-Man movies be anyone's favorite? Dang, <laughs> he's Branch, Branch from the <laughs> movies. I, 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 think, I agree. So I thought Spider-Man Two was excellent. Tobey Maguire's and, Spider-Man, and I watched Spider-Man Two again like three days before I, I watched this one, and yeah, I, I, I think generally regarded as the best Spider-Man movie, if not one of the best comic book movies in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's obviously a tie. Like, maybe okay. I feel All like right. this has more potential, but as a movie, I would say Spider-Man too. Yeah, and before we go into Arthur's, I want to make a comment because I know Arthur's going to cover it a bit too. 
but I, I never liked that narrative of the Spider-Man being alone, going alone, the sort of emo mopey kind of Spider-Man. I understand that he has certain things that are weighing on him. But having been a Spider-Man my entire life, reading the comics, watching the movies and the cartoons, this might be one of the, the superheroes that I've, I've taken the most material for um, in all generations. And that was one of the things that I never liked about him when they started focusing a lot more on that. Um, I, 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 always liked, I, I used to always like to think that being a kid, yes, he had these weights on him. But at the same time, he was generally what I, I felt to be a, a um, rise above sort of the, letting the emotions drag him down too much. Although I know that's not completely true. I just like that narrative that they built around him. What balance? Because he, he can yeah. be as like a happy-go-lucky superhero, but also the, the depressing superhero. Sure. It's not like Daredevil where it, it's really depressing, right? Right. Um, but so I, I think there's like it swings back and forth, for lack of you know, no pun intended. <laughs> Understood. I agree with that too. But yeah. when they did it in the the Raimi movies, there was one where he said he they, he uh, he spent so much time getting beat down on by life that at that point I was like, you know, I'm done with this. This just wearing on him mm-hmm. so but, i mean but, that's what makes I, him like i don't know i, I kind of that, that's what makes him like a superhero as well like he kind of he there's all these things happening to him and he's still kind of overcoming it and it, that to me is like why i i yeah yeah that, both of you guys what you said are, are absolutely valid interpretations so all oh. right so i know nick and arthur haven't gone but i guess that oh. made the decision that arthur's gonna go <laughs> Oh my! No, <laughs> go right. ahead, Arthur. Go okay. ahead. Arthur should be at home because he's the yeah, the Spider Man. It's okay. I'll, I'll try to sure. keep my go short. Uh, uh, yeah, we were supposed to give. Have you go first? Because you get easily influenced by anything. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you saw it yesterday. Yeah. And I saw it yesterday. So the Spider Man, I, I was kind of with that. I think it, I, my image of him is always kind of a happy-go-lucky. Although I'm, you know, not well-versed on a lot of the heroes. Like, I think Spider-Man's probably, other than Batman, he's probably the comic book character I know the most about, just having seen, I read a few of the, Kate, you know, the comic book. I saw some of that uh, Spider-Man cartoon, and uh, and then, the, of course, the, the, the movies. And uh, having said all that, the the version that came out for this one was, was by far my favorite Spider-Man. This one really just, it, resonated with me. I really liked the way they did the character. And there's a lot of stuff that they threw in there, I think, that I liked it for a lot of reasons that probably most, like, comic book fans wouldn't like it because of the way they incorporated, like, the Iron Man gadgets and all that kind of stuff with it. I really like that. That, that kind of kicked it up a notch for me. Um, the Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire, that was my favorite one up until now. But this one, I, I really liked it. Like, it's funny that you mentioned that at the beginning, Anthony, because I was, like, trying to think of what I could, you know, what I could nitpick about this, there's very few things. Most of it are good things that oh. I liked about this movie. So I like, I'll just go through real quick. Uh, the beginning, I really like the way they kicked it off and I like the way they tied it in with Civil War. I like how he had that kind of self video he was making. Yeah. Um, the self video was cool. Yeah. That, that was a really cool little part how they, you know, showing the, the same fight scene from different angles from his whole point of view. Um, the whole part with Iron Man being like his mentor involvement, I, you know, cause you know, you guys know I like Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> So for me, that made this movie like even better. Like I wanted to see more and more of Happy, our, Happy Hogan. Yeah, it bumped. I, I just bumped it up with the with the gadget. I like the the way they did like the, all the different web shooters, the taser webs, and then he kept, <laughs> he kept trying to go into kill what instant kill mode or something right. like that, and uh, the parish and all that stuff. But even though I liked that it was all like kind of gadgeted up and all the cool stuff, I really liked that 
the second part when he had to go kind of old school. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was cool too. I thought that was kind of paying good respect to the whole Spider-Man character. Like, you know, he just went with his web shooters and like, himself. Like you make a really good point. That's one of the things I forgot to talk about is I felt like his suit was so overpowered. Like, he started doing all the cool web stuff that I, I want to see him, like, build. And, like, he started, you know, yeah. all the new t- st- stuff that he got. He got, like, the web bombs and, I don't know. Yeah. Like, he got, like, the five t- to eight new web things. And you- yeah, enhanced radar and all that stuff, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Vision, that seeing the radar and everything, it's, it's yeah, uh, I'll mention some of that in a second, but keep going. Okay, please. yeah, I feel like there's no growth in like he just got it all. He just like cheat suit. I don't like the programs that were installed, like the, the baby monitor program and all that right. training mode. Yeah, <laughs> interrogation mode. That's a bat. That's Batman. Uh, um, that, that Batman. Was, that's uh, the interrogation with Dan, Donald Glover. The other thing I really liked about Spider Man, my favorite thing about Spider Man in the past, I think why I liked him is because. He was always really funny. I always found like the little things like he said and like the way he kind of jokes around. That's always one of my favorite things about Spider-Man was the humor. So I really liked the way that they did humor in this movie. They um, they had a lot of comics that, you know, Donald Glover was there. And then I don't know if you, you know, Hannibal Burris was like the gym teacher. He's also like a stand-up comic. Oh, so, that was so funny. Hannibal Burris was, that was like, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, they really put humor. I think with Aunt May too, like the cat, Aunt, the cat PSAs. Cat PSAs. Yeah, that was uh, at PSAs, and then everyone commented about how hot his town was. I was like, yeah, I was trying to like, <laughs> pick up on <laughs> stuff. Hand, hand, yeah. weird. <laughs> I think all those things, uh, when he was like, uh, helping that one guy, he's like, he's like, this is my car. Yeah. Like all that kind of stuff <laughs> was, was really funny. And I, I like the way that they put humor because that was always one of my favorite things about, um, so I, mean, I like the way they did the, I like the feel of the movie overall being kind of like a team movie, like the, yeah, the John Hughes guy. I thought they did a really good job of that. And it was really different from the other Marvel movies, but they did it really well. I, I like the way they made this character. Like you guys mentioned a lot, how he's a, really a, a teenager, right? And I didn't, I didn't, I like that they didn't have a lot of the obvious scenes, like getting bullied in high school. Like I felt like when he was walking down the the hallway, someone was gonna bump his shoulder, like a knock out his book kind of thing. Uh, uh-huh. I'm like so glad they didn't do that kind of stuff. Uh, they made it. He's like in like a list. Right. Right. How did you feel about the uh, Flash Thompson? version versus the traditional versions of Flash. Oh, I got comments about that. Because I don't think Flash Thompson, was that the, the bully? The, uh, the, 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 the Indian. Indian kid, right? Yeah. I like yeah. that kid Indian kid that's the bully. But, uh, that yeah. Be, that was a more modern take on it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, rather than being sort of the high school quarterback punk jock. That was usually yeah. the, uh, um, the bully. Yeah, keep going. I'll, I'll mention, I'll talk about okay, it. Okay, I don't know much about <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what else have I been? I, the parts that I think, uh, oh, I like that they didn't have the typical bad guys. Uh, they didn't go with, the, like, a dog office. And I thought it was kind of cool that they No Osborne. No Osborne. That's how uh, I yes. like that they made it really, but, be their original. I think to most people like me who don't, who aren't familiar with comic books, they have no idea who these, uh, bad guys were. So I right. like that because it felt fresh because all the other Spider-Mans, I feel like they're, they're so like it's always the same like yeah. characters over and over. He has great villains, but they always so, go back to the well. Uh, he's got arguably the, the second best rogues gallery in comic book history. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Okay. Who do you guys think bought Avengers Tower? What's that? Who do you think bought Avengers? The Fantastic Tower? Four. Or Osborn. Wait, what? Wait, wait, what? Uh, question. Oh, who? Someone bought it. Yeah, somebody it's bought Fantastic Avengers Tower. Four. Who bought it? Oh, oh uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I didn't. I missed that part of the movie. 
<laughs> what were you sleeping? What the? I was checking my work. Yeah, that happened like right. Yeah, I, yeah. Watch yeah. Thing, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm telling you, they struck a deal, guys. I'm okay. gonna see it. The uh, parts that I try to kind of nitpick about that I thought threw me off, like when the, he's having that whole dad, I like that scene where he's trying to do the dad talk with him and Michael Keaton threatens him. I like the intensity and all the yeah. drama. But when he threatened him, I was like, dude, why is he just threatening him with a gun? If you really wanted to kill him, you could just kill him. But he, not, not him. Spider-Man could just you know take him out right now so easily. Oh, so I read something about that. And I think it's part of it is the shock. And yeah. he's, in a, he's in a public place. He's his, his quote-unquote, his crushes father, like the, the girl he's been crushing on for a long time, and he's in a situation where he doesn't know really what this guy is capable of, mm-hmm. and it's better to just find a, a separate place where I can go one-on-one with you versus this place that's too public, uh, too many potential casualties, Liz might come out, yeah. he may actually kill me, and I'm, I'm still shocked from the fact that he's my girl, you know, the girl that I, I'm in love with is father. I, I take that as, okay, that's I can yeah. kind of actually buy all that. It didn't bother me enough to, th- and actually uh-huh. a lot of that makes sense, how he's in shock with it all. Um, it just, at the moment, I was, it bothered me a little bit, not really that much. Yeah, every, everything Arthur just said, I think that um, that was actually brilliantly written myself, and I think that if you think you're nitpicking about it, I think anybody who gets in a conversation about why it happened the way it did mm-hmm. would come out of it completely understanding. Yeah, Keaton yeah. sold it really well, too. You're like, you don't want to mess with this guy. Yeah, he comes he off sold as, it. as really, like, you know, Tense. Uh, the other nitpicks, like, I didn't know why he was knocked out so easily when he was like, you know, he got knocked out and he got trapped in the truck. I'm like, well, how come he went unconscious so easily? He gets bumped around all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And just like, goes unconscious. Um, I thought the MJ, I thought that part was all, I feel like they were overdoing it. Like, I had the friend too, and I thought the friend was overdone, the nerdy friend Ned. Yeah. And the MJ part, I thought she was, I thought they overdid it. They like yeah. purposefully injected her. She had to make like a, a comment like you know each time, like in every scene she's in so you're like oh they're obviously trying to make her to me i thought i was like oh she's gonna be mj and then she's somebody right yeah i, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know so i have so the same like, thing uh, it's like marvel's trying to have their cake and eat it too like here is a character that we want to have some aspects of mj but she's not really mj because we may not want to cast somebody who doesn't look like the traditional mj but we'll still call her mj and give her some of the attributes just in case just in case so you kind of like, you want to do both and you want to, again, have your cake and eat it too and, you know, play it safe, so to speak. Now, who knows what they have planned moving forward, but I kind of had the same thing. I'm like, okay, she, I'm like, okay, what are you trying to do? She wasn't too annoying to me, but she wasn't really great. For me, it was kind of like, ah, okay. Yeah. This is a very minor thing. It didn't bother yeah. me enough to, there's really nothing about the movie that bothered me. Like I was thinking of what to say in the podcast I was watching, but like, man, I just, I was, I'm like entertained at all. Yeah. The last like you, Nick. <laughs> I, didn't, I, really, I didn't really know what I was going to say because even if I nitpick, I could talk myself out of nitpick and it would make sense. It wouldn't be forcing myself to talk myself out of it. it just yeah, made I, sense. Like, yeah, exactly. And you yeah. know what you guys were kind of saying with that too. I was like, but that's all I could think of. And the one scene, okay, the scene that I really liked that was kind of, I thought was going to be different, which I thought was kind of cool. I thought it's uh, going to be like the, uh, the Civil War comic book, right. you let me in. So when uh, he's at the very end, when he's going with uh, Tony Stark, Tony Stark that's at the a press back. conference, that's a I thought back. he's going to go out there and like Peter Parker is... Uh, that's an Easter egg. Yeah, because in the comic book, he does that whole thing where he reveals himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought it was cool that they even had that. Yeah. I don't think he would reveal himself, but the fact he that he's going to be publicly shown, yeah. That way, yeah, yeah, that's a callback to Civil War. Yeah, yeah. totally. But overall, I mean, the, the feel of the movie, it had so much good, like, teen movie feel with also being like a real Marvel 
movie, like, you know, superhero movie, but they blended the two really well. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I'm going to do an admission here. I, I didn't know who Zendaya was. I thought she was Liz. <laughs> Dude, the only Me neither. I, I had no I idea won't... who Zendaya. Why do they keep on talking about her for? Yeah, I'm like, who is this? And then the whole time when I'm watching the trailers, I'm like, Dude, that chick is black. She's obviously not going to be MJ. Right, yeah. I also, like, Disney. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't just, know who she was, man. Either. Myself, yeah, I was like, well, that's a big Disney actress. I don't know because, like, yeah, all the, you know, you have to watch Disney Channel all the time. Like, yeah, and they were playing coy with it for, like, the longest time, saying, oh, she is and she is. And, and... Wordplay, man. I think she's a, she's a pilot. She's a soft pilot. If, if, if they don't think the audience reacted her well, they're just going to say she's not Mary Jane. Yeah. If they really liked her, they're going to say exactly. we're going to make her the Mary Jane character. That's how I feel like it. They're really, you know, trying to play it safe, yeah. yet try yeah. something different at the same yeah. time. And they left it open for themselves. They could go any direction they want. They could just yeah. feel out the crowd and, and decide which way to go. Yeah, that's how I felt about that character. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Uh, that was it. I, I, and with the, I really liked how he was kind of like Anthony said. He feels like it was a little Iron Man Junior part of it. I really that was one of the highlights for me. Go ahead, like, liked it. Talk- yeah, when he's See, like that's not Spider-Man to me. I feel like he's ah. kind of like homemade. I knew that. I knew that people really like the comic. Won't, wouldn't like that, but I think people like me probably really liked it. It's like a different version of the. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of both those ideas because I, 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 I don't like it when you guys like. I was fine with it when I saw the movie. I felt that if if he really had this relationship with Stark and he's at the stage with a Stark running around and he's introduced through a Stark, that this is a natural progression of what Stark would do for him. But I don't like. Hearing you guys call him Stark Jr. and the more you say it, the more I realize, yeah, that's kind of true, and it kind of bothers me. Right? Well, but I didn't have a problem with it during the movie. I had say, a problem with it. Uh, I'll say this. I'll I, share something in a second, but please go on. Yeah, I like that the Tony Stark involvement with Iron Man and all that. I like the scenes when he kept coming back in, but I'm glad that he didn't come back to save. I thought that would have been like such a ruin the movie. Like, yeah. Oh, they're yeah. coming right now, lift the yeah. building off them. I'm exactly. glad they didn't do. It. I like the, that he did stuff on his own. I just like the part with him in it as well. Mm-hmm. I like the pseudo father figure Tony Stark too. Mm-hmm. Rich, powerful man who seems too busy, but in reality is listening to him the whole time. Yeah. And makes the point that he knows. I thought that was fantastic, especially since he lost an uncle Ben and doesn't have a father figure. Okay. I, I think it's a, I think it's a great look. At the end of the day, even if there's things that fans don't agree with what they've done, what they do with the movies, the changes they make from the comic books to the movies, mm-hmm. Marvel's done such a good job. I tend to trust in Marvel and, and believe that they'll make it work. Yeah. So it works really well. Yeah, definitely. I feel like they've once again, yeah, done something so much better than they have more credit. They have more credit in the bank to get stuff sort of quote unquote. But they just they did it. I mean, even if you don't screw, they did it really well. I feel like they didn't overdo it. They didn't make it cheesy. I feel like the whole daddy thing, whatever. But they didn't do that. Right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Wait. So again, I kind of going back to this. There's now like four people who know who he is, right? Because Aunt May now knows who he is. We don't know. She knows, right? Yeah. She oh no, knows. she knows. That's an Easter egg, right? Throw that at the end, but you don't know what's gonna really happen. So. True. Aunt May, friends, the dad. Did you like look at this awesome suit I just bought? Yeah, they they, <laughs> they had an interview later on. They said, "Oh, we we did that on purpose to force us to think of something creative." So we don't really know where that's gonna go. I had a big problem with what they did. Everybody knows Superman, Superman in the DC Universe, right? That really bothered me. All, all the people who know in this one, it doesn't seem to bother me for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe I just give Marvel too much room. But if she does know, I'm okay with that. I feel like it's a dynamic that they'll have a lot of fun writing around if she does. I, we'll see, see. 
I think they're totally missing that dynamic now, where Aunt May hates Spider-Man. <laughs> it's, it, I would agree with that, Anthony. Yeah. But I'll, tell, I'll elaborate more in a second. Okay. Okay. I'm done. I think we should hand it off to Arthur. Okay. So, um, funny, most people like Spider-Man, too. So I'm also a huge Spider-Man fan. I grew up reading, watching everything, right? So a lot of the stuff, I'm really, like, you know, paying attention, but also nitpicking on certain things. Now, the Tobey Maguire movies, I actually thought three was okay. I don't hate it as much as people do, but I understand people's problems with it. I actually like Spider-Man 1 more than Spider-Man 2, funny enough. And the Maguire movies actually, visually speaking and thematically, they're very, very in line with the books. So J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson, spot on. Um, The actress (laughs) Rosemary Park or Harris, spot on as Aunt May. In those movies, you know, Tobey Maguire made a great Peter Parker. He doesn't make a great Spider-Man uh, in terms of the quickie, the quirky, the the quippy, snarky person, but he was a perfect Peter Parker. So the Maguire movies in those aspects were very, very in tune or close to the books. Um, certain things are quibbles um, and things like that. The supporting cast was was on was was on par, and it's funny because this movie, a lot of the tone was more correct, also, but the supporting cast they totally changed that. Uh, so for me personally, I would say I'd like Spider-Man 1 more than 2, um, but I would put Homecoming in between 1 and 2 if I had to rank them. So I'd say Spider-Man 1 still, this one before number 2. What organic uh, web shooters. Why? Yeah, I, <laughs> that was it. Okay. But everything else they did in those movies I thought was pretty, you know, really good more or less. Now the, the what do you call it, the Garfield movies, you know how, how I feel about Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was just... Awful. Okay, I mean, all over the place. Plot story, blah blah blah. It's pretty bad. Uh, I think Did you guys Garfield, podcast that. Was that a no. podcast? No, no. Okay. And, and I'm typically pretty <laughs> forgiving on a lot of this stuff, but even you know, I couldn't even get myself to find a lot of great stuff about that movie. I I liked Emma Stone and Garfield. Uh, Garfield is a great Spider-Man, not a really great Peter Parker, but he's those hipster Spider-Man. Yeah, he's yeah. not. Yeah, he's not really a Spider-Man. He's not really a Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, so those two amazing movies. The first one was okay. The second one was really bad. So this movie had a huge amount of, you know, hope for me to like wash that bad taste uh, from my mouth. And I would say it definitely succeeded. You know, I think you guys saw my my um, my quick message on, on Slack about that. Um, and then I, I went back and, and read some stuff because I tried to avoid reviews and avoid analysis afterwards. And I did like the movie overall. A lot of the stuff you guys mentioned, I would, I, I think I, I mentioned it. I agree with. So let me bring up some things that I, I think maybe weren't mentioned. So I, I think Tom Holland finally is the, the nice balance between Peter Parker and Spider-Man, which I think we were missing in the two previous versions. Um, he was great. Um, Keaton is fantastic. I think uh, Tony Stark as a minimum is great. Um, the, when Spider-Man was, when all that debris started to fall on him, I already knew they were going to do that scene. And I was actually really happy when I started to see him getting buried. I'm like, that's the scene where he's going to go do that epic moment. I knew it. And I was so happy to see that. And one thing I think, um, that wasn't mentioned is he's looking at that pond of water and you see the split face of Spider-Man's, you know, mask and his, his face, right? And that's a classic, you know, visual cue of him under duress or him thinking about something, or, or some, you know, it's to illustrate what he's thinking, right? So they do the half mask thing and the, and the half Peter Parker thing, which I love. That, that uh, was classic, and they do a lot of that throughout the movie, actually, too, Arthur. Even when he's, you know, eating his food with his mask cap off while right. he's talking to Peter. Uh, I think they, they just had a really good understanding and understood the visual... Um, um, the, the, yeah, that, that Spider-Man fans are known to have seen in the comics. 
Right. So that was fantastic. This real quick. So hold your thought about this because I think there was a missed opportunity in this scene, even though I really, really enjoyed this part. So let me jump into um, the whole, you know, the to- the the tombs. Adrian Liz uh, twist was really cool. Um, and I will talk about that. Uh, let me see here. The secondary. OK, I'm going to skip this. But let me go into um, the supporting cast because there was a lot of changes. Right. So it was very interesting. So Liz and I don't know, I have to watch it again, but. Liz Allen is her name, right? I don't remember if they actually called out her name Liz Allen. No. Because, if well, they, no. because yeah. as Spider-Man fans, I go in thinking, oh, that's Liz Allen, right? But I don't know if they actually called out her name Allen, because if she's Allen, then why is her father's name Tombs, and why is his wife's name is Tombs? Uh, so there's a little bit of disconnect for me, because if they didn't mention her name, okay, that's fine. They right? called you her Liz, that's it, even in the right. credits. I don't right. remember. I, I could have sworn I heard in one scene where they said, oh, Liz Allen, right? So... So Holland should know that the girl he likes is obviously Alan. I don't remember if he finds out later on that Adrian Toomes is, um, you know, is his last name, right? So there, to me, there was there might have been a big, a little disconnect between that scene was great that oh he's, you know, he's her father, right? But if you called out Alan and his last name was Toomes, how does that work from a family dynamic? Are they adopted? Is she taking a different name for some reason? I don't know. That that kind of nagged at me a little bit because it was a little unclear. Because they, it was sort of trying to play with audience expectations. Because everybody's going to know that's Liz Allen, and Liz Allen is Caucasian in the books. So they cast her as a, a black in this movie, right? Uh, which is fine. And I expect, okay, that's Liz Allen. But then the shock of it is is big because you don't expect, her, you know, um, Keaton's character to be her dad, right? So there's a little bit of like, okay, did I miss something here? Because she's Allen and he's Tombs, but then they're related and they're, they're you know, are they, you know? Uh, is he her biological daughter or is I'm sorry, is she her biological, his biological daughter or is it adopted? So there's a little bit of like confusion. I have to keep on this. See, so this is where yeah. I, 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 I love the scene. I scrutinize the whole scene, but it, it seems like, you know, there's, there might've been a break there because if you mentioned her last name, it, it didn't. Doesn't connect I'm telling you, they didn't. So I'll go back. I'll go back and watch it. I may be wrong, which is fine. So, uh, but I mean, I had I didn't dislike the, the Liz character. That was the only thing that kind of popped out at me um, with that. I like and I like I love the whole you know twist at the end. That was that was yeah. cool about the relationship. Um, Aunt May, I agree with I think Anthony and a few people. We need more depth with her because um, Aunt May, uh, you know, they definitely de-aged her. Right? She was she went from the traditional. Oh, Peter, eat your wheat cakes, and uh, I'm so worried about you know you, and why are you out at night? And um, yeah, that awful icky Spider-Man. And then she's the one who doles out wisdom for her for for Spider-Man. Here, she's sort of portrayed as like the hot aunt that everybody wants to hook up with, which you know it's fine, it's 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 cute, but we need her to be that guiding light for Spider-Man, which I don't think they really got here. Like she's the one that grounds him um, a lot in terms of like she's not just the one who says where the heck is he? I'm worried about him. She is the one who imparts wisdom and grounds him to the, to to family and what what's really important, right? And they didn't really do that much here, so I'm hoping that they do more later on and give her more depth. I didn't have a problem with you know de-aging her per se, and it's kind of funny again, but I was expecting a little bit more depth. And the fact that she doesn't mention Ben Parker at all, and this goes back to actually that quibble I have with the movie. I'll talk about that in a second. Is kind of strange to me. Um, Ned leaves. I'm fine with. Hang the on a second, Arthur. I just want to comment on Aunt May. Um, I don't know if, if a lot of old fans are like me, but I never liked his old Granny Aunt May. I, I love what they're doing with her. And coming off of more modernly watching the Ultimate Spider-Man series with my kids, right? 
I like this younger take on her way more. I find her much more interesting and much more engaging than I, than the old one. Well, there's it's one also in the middle, though. No, but go, anyway, go, yeah. go ahead. So there's the traditional, I think, of like in the 70s, 80s age range. And then yeah. the Ultimate Spider-Man, there was one in the, the 50s and 60s age range. So she's older, but still more of like a hip aunt, mm-hmm. right? And this one's like 40s and 50s hot aunt, right? It's, it's, so they, they keep you know shifting her younger and younger in all these interpretations, right? And that's fine. Uh, I'm just saying... I need a little bit more depth from that character. I'm with Arthur here. I feel like he, uh, Aunt May, you, I don't care what age she is. Like the age exactly. thing is not a problem to me. It's just, exactly. she needs to be something more in this movie and more of a, um, uh, yeah, like, like Arthur says, some kind of like guiding, guiding way, guiding light. And she was just there, not really. I mean, I know they yeah. cut some scenes out for her and, uh, exactly. but it so just wasn't. That, it's not the age thing. It's more of like the depth of character. So that's fine. So I, I'm fine with that character. I'm actually fine with Ned Leeds. I mean, you know, Kyrie talked about, you know, who his character is. He can go either way for me. It doesn't really bother me. Um, the Flash Thompson character is interesting because I actually had no problem with them changing his ethnicity, but I didn't really feel like he was anything special because Flash is supposed to be a bully that causes problems for Peter. He's like one more thing in high school that I have to deal with. Um, not just him pushing him around, but causing him real trouble in terms of relationship. And I would have preferred that Flash is somebody who is also physically imposing and doesn't have to always physically push him around. But they sort of just made him like a part of the neat nerd geek team that he's a part of. And he's just sort of minor, a minor nuisance to him that throws off some, some insults to him that he can easily brush off. He's not somebody that Peter was like, oh, crap, Flash is causing me problems. He's sort of like, okay, it's that kid that just likes to make fun of me every so often, big deal. Like, it, it was sort of weird to make him be a nerd geek, part of his little, you know, group that he's off doing this little science uh, fair on. So I would have preferred that they just make Flash, you know, more of like a bully. You just want him to be a big jock. I don't, I disagree with you. I, I'm okay with yeah. the kind of like intellectual bully. Like, to me, that's okay. I, I don't need. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't think he had to be a jock, but I think he needed to be more of like a physical. No, um, I disagree. Bully. So to speak. I'm with Anthony on this just because the the jock thing is is kind of played out so old school that it, it's almost ancient in terms of what bullies are today in some ways, and that this is a much more modern take on it. And and also I've always found Flash Thompson to be more of annoyance than a real um, antagonist, and this minimizes yeah. the character in a way that's a, a bit more manageable. So you can focus on real antagonists. So I, I like this. And then if he's more of like a a cyber bully or whatever, then I think I, I still need more. Like he, he still felt sort of like, okay, just some guy who, who insults me every so often. I needed a little bit more push from him that, you know, impacts Peter's life aside from the, the random insults that he does to me. So he's actually I, hated by the other kids too. Like the other kids don't yeah, like him either. He's not really popular. So it's, right. He's not really a, he's not bully. a traditional bully. He's more of a modern bully, I guess, but I guess I you know, need him more from him. So that's they're, fine. They're also at a special school. Like they're not at like a regular, um, high school. I think it's like an advanced kind of. Well, it's actually that that part though. The high school is traditionally from the books, which I like. They illustrated where they they have a really strong STEM. Yeah. Kind of. Yes. But this whole school was STEM. I thought right. The whole. I don't think it was just one. A lot. A lot of it. But there's, what I also liked, and I don't think anybody mentioned, is the high school is very diverse. If you noticed, you know, ethnic backgrounds, uh, religious backgrounds. They really, really made it diverse. And even in some of the small scenes, it wasn't just your typical, you know all Caucasian type school, 
you had a really, really diverse cast. And I really liked that representation in the high school. So that was so that's just a side thing. Yeah. So Flash, I'm like, OK, he's OK to mad to me. It's fine. Um, Betty Brand, different interpretation, not a big deal. I think I already talked about the Michelle MJ thing. Um, eh, could have went either way with me. We'll see what they do with the character. Um, but perhaps the, the things that you, you guys really want to hear about are, are the quibbles, right? So um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put them as quibbles slash future concerns. So I think the, the one thing, after I had some time to think about it, that bothers me the most is that there is actually no mention of Uncle Ben in this movie at all. Okay, and I don't think you need to have the origin story at all. There's nothing wrong with having to rehash the origin story, but to not even bring up his name or to even reference him in any way seems kind of odd. Like, they, the scenes with Ant-Man and him, there should have been a little reference like, look, Peter, after what we've gone through with Uncle Ben, you kind of know what's going on. I'm worried about you. And even that scene when he's lifting up the debris, I actually have expected him to remember and think about I, I have to be the hero. Uncle Ben is the one who taught me this because I failed to act and stop the villain. I need to do this for Uncle Ben. And I thought, when you don't reference somebody who is so critical to the Spider-Man lore, who's so important that he always goes back to, whether it's in his own thinking or moments of duress or when he's talking to uh, Aunt May, you are missing something. And I feel like the Marvel, this movie, maybe they're trying so hard to avoid this with the Sony movies that they cut him out completely. And I think that's a, a big loss. They really need to, you know, I'm not saying you need to have a flashback. You don't need to have a voiceover, but you don't even mention his name. It's as if he doesn't exist. And I think that's a big miss for Spider-Man lore. I can deal with all the sub-supporting characters, but Ben is so intrinsically tied to the character that for me it was like, that's kind of odd that you don't even mention him at all. Okay, so that was part of something that kind of bothered me, and I was actually expecting a little bit more on that. I'll tell you what, Arthur, I, I, I understand, but I disagree mostly because I think that the complete omission of even his name is intentional. It, it is a total guess though, but, but Maybe everybody knows that, that origin stories. I don't know. So that's what, that's what I'm thinking. And that's why, um, cause you gotta consider too, um, that, um, Maybe it is really important. They, my wife and I went back and watched Civil War um, and the scene where Tony comes in and talks to him and he, he starts saying things like, when you have a power and you don't do anything, the bad things happen because of you. I think it's a direct reference without beating the audience over the brow with more origin stuff. It's like Batman. Batman and Spider-Man are the two origin stories that everybody's tired of. Right. right, and I'm not saying you need an origin story, but to not even mention the name is kind of odd to me. I think it's going to be a big thing. I think that if he, if if Aunt May actually knows his identity, they saved it up for whatever they're going to do with that. Yeah. And that they're they're going to touch on. You may never see the actual scene, mm-hmm. but it will be discussed. Never seen the scene. Yeah. But you got a reference, or you got to pull in Uncle Ben every so often to remind, because it reminds him of why he became the hero. His failure at that point in life is what him is why he chose to become the hero that he is. And if you don't even reference that at all, then what's the point? I thought so, they did reference. I thought May did like one. She line. did. I thought she very, did. Like, what she said? It was like during her dinner. I'm pretty sure. But either way, like I'm kind of on that side here. Like I get that Uncle Ben is an iconic motivational point for Spider-Man, and I get that also Sony went too far with that. And to me, it made the movie worse because it created yeah. the movie Spider-Man where everything was tied to his failure yep. with uh, Uncle Ben and just ruined the character. Um, and I'm always, always going to be of the, the side that says, look, I get that it could be a defining event for his formative years, 
Um, but he needs to find something better. He needs to grow from that and find motivation from something more abstract or just more interesting than I feel with Uncle Ben and that's it. Well, actually, this is his formative years, right? So the fact that you don't even reference it is kind of odd. And he's only six months in from the time of death. So I expect a little bit more closeness to that. Later on, when he becomes more of an adult superhero, he actually uses that as a motivational speaker to teach other people. He says, look, I had a failure in the past, and I've learned from it. I don't want you to go through the same path. So to me, that's like a big miss. I, feel I like agree I, with that, the six-month thing. But Especially yeah. when he was only, you know, he only lost his uncle, what, three to six months? So that's still pretty new. Six months from Civil War. You know, whatever the time frame is. It's, it's really, I feel like the time frame is so short that you don't yeah, really cut short. out. That, you know, you don't cut out that that soon. And he's still a, a, a fledgling superhero, right? So he's not, like, more established and things like that. So for me, it was a big miss. But so, I get what you're just saying. So, well, I think, like, and I'm not agreeing with it, but what the MCU is doing is, is it really is Robert Downey Jr. or whatever, Tony Stark being that Uncle Ben. Because that's his fate. It's his voice that shows up. <gasps> They're going to kill Tony Stark. And yeah, <laughs> and that's going to be his, that's going to be his Uncle Ben. <laughs> And, and, and that may be it, but I guess for me, perhaps as a traditionalist, I, I just that kind of nagged at me a little bit when I thought about it some more because I, I feel like they need Uncle Ben to give depth to why he does this, and also we'll for Aunt May, you know, even though he's gone, he's still with him. Yeah. So you, you need a little bit. I'm not saying again you don't have to go all out, but a little bit, right? Not like not at all. So anyway, so the other thing I kind of had a little issue with, and I didn't know about it until I read the reviews later on, is the whole Spider Sense thing, right? And I'm kind of in the middle because in combat situations, I felt like, okay, I'm assuming he's using his spider sense because he's reacting. But then how can he, you know, not know that Ned was in his room? His spider sense should be warning him of like, dude, someone's in my room, right? But I thought it was a danger, not... Well, he's actually used it passively. He knows that when he's being watched. And and every time he's changing in the alleys, he is knowing that, okay, I have to watch out because if there's somebody nearby that... I, I'm getting some danger vibes from. I should be aware of that. So a little bit of that was sort of like, mm, that doesn't sit right with me. And then Aunt May walking in on him like that without him knowing. I mean... Which, when did she walk in on him without him knowing? Well, at the end, right? He sees him in the costume, right? So I'm no, no, of, he called her in. No, he didn't call her in. He walked in. No, Matt, he saw, the, he saw the bag on... on she, he saw the bag on his bed and he called her in before he even touched the bag. But well, he, he calls her, but like, uh, there was no one there. He's checking if anyone was home. Right, yeah. exactly. So I no, I don't think that's a walking in. I think he called her in. No, no but he no, might no. have interpreted. I mean, yeah, so I'm not sure about yeah. that. But I, I don't like. I, I guess I'm sort of like, I, I explained it off to myself. I'm like, okay, he's still young. I think in the books there's a few times where he was spied on and he wasn't really being careful and he, you know. Uh, was found out. That's how in the books Mary Jane was able to find out his uh, his identity from next door because she's literally the girl next door walk, looking through the window and found out his identity. So I'm sort of rationalizing that to myself, but I think they need to be a little more consistent about this because your best friend somehow finds find out you didn't tell him you you screwed up and he found out and you had to deal with the aftermath, right? Yeah. And so that to me was like, well, wait a second here. You, you, you kind of knew better or your spider sense should have warned you about that. I, I, I tell you what, I, I I had a conversation about this with someone else as well. And the way I see it is that um, I'm with Anthony, too, in the sense that it, I, I actually think it's a little more uh, it's when there's aggression towards him or something that puts him in immediate threat that he knows. The other thing, too, is that I do actually think he has spider sense, because if you look at Civil War, 
Um, there's a scene where uh, Tony throws the, the web formula at him, and without looking, he just kind of catches it. Yeah. He's completely not looking at it. And then he also makes the point that when all this happened to me, my senses are, like, dialed to 11. And yeah. some of the outfit and the gear that they made him are to help him focus his attention on things. And it could be that the technology is holding him back because, you know, Stark has come in and put dampeners in so that he can focus. Yeah, right? and I would say – I'm not saying his he doesn't have spider sense. I'm saying it's a little inconsistent of how they're presenting it, per se. Spider sense um, is overpowered. For the sake of That's, points, because, you know, you needed your friend to find out somehow and, and yeah. you know, just sort of ignored that. I'm like, wait a second here. You – Usually a little smarter than that, right? No, but Spider-Man's, Sp- Spider-Sense isn't, isn't psychic. He doesn't know when there's a villain around the corner. It isn't. But, you know, right? your own room? I don't know about that, right? Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's going to be to sense danger. That's how they're going to do it. And, I think so, too. And, and look, when I say it's overpowered, I mean that. If you look at any conversation about Spider-Man versus anybody, they'll give Spider-Man the win because of Spider-Sense even more than his strength and his agility. Because of Spider Sense, he basically wins every fight, right? Or, or they they find a way to overpower it, but so, exactly. Yeah. And I think they're forced to do here what they do with Superman, where they have to depower him in order to make him um, susceptible to anything. Because with it, I mean, you, you wouldn't have been able to put a building down on him. He wouldn't know there was bombs around. Right? First, that that was a little naggy to me, but I can ra- I can rationalize. That's it. pretty it's deep not, as well, Arthur. <laughs> so that's not as that's not as just <laughs> as Uncle Ben, but that was a little. Okay, yeah. I'm kind of rationalizing it, which leads me to the last point. And this is more of a future concern. Now, for the sake of this story, I, I'm fine with the whole tech gadget thing, and, and he has a nice suit. But I really hope that in the future movies, he doesn't have a high-powered suit. And I'm, I, I'm, mm. I'm confident that Spider, that Marvel will be smart enough to say, let's not give him the suit. Yeah. Karen speaking to him for comedy sake, right? To have to, you know, to let's have, let, you know, the audiences love Karen in this movie. So let's have her come back in the second one because it, you know, it's funny. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. When you add all this technology and have him dependent upon it, you diminish him as a character because he's supposed to be somebody who can, who has trouble, you know, having costumes. He has to stitch them together. I have to build the web formula again. I have to fix my web shooters. I have to get by, and when you always have Daddy Stark to, to, to come back to, to, you know, oh, hey, my suit broke. Can you get, fix it? Or I have this suit I can fall back on. It diminishes you as a character. He's supposed to struggle and, and somehow come out on top. And I hope that the suit that Stark gave him, I hope it's just nothing but a suit. But I'm afraid that it's going to have some tech wizardry that, again, it's going to be, okay, kind of cool from a movie perspective. But it, it's not really like it, it's going to affect his character, which I uh, – which I have some concerns with. So I agree with yeah, you. 100%. So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it in the movie, but I want him to be his own man. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's my my more of like a future concern. Um, that I hope they don't be stupid and say, hey, you know, you love Karen in this movie. We'll have some more of it in the next one, right? Or we'll give him another tech suit. No, no, no. <laughs> so yeah, right. I'm with you. That's about it. I mean, other than that, I still overall enjoyed the movie a lot, and I, I loved it a lot. So. But those are more of like my quibbles and, and issues, so to speak. Everything else you guys kind of touched upon more or less. So, All right. Uh-huh. Well, this is truly an in-depth podcast. <laughs> we, we have less people now, and it's gone longer than uh, when we've got, you know, when we had seven people. <laughs> Good job, moderator. So, uh, <laughs> no one really had to, uh, go. A few times where I don't have to go. It's appropriate that Kai's so. podcast is like a long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, 
And we did like the end credits scene. Nobody talked about the end credits, right? We I thought that was funny. I thought, I like, yeah, I like Cap trolling us. That was funny. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. He was talking directly to my wife because she freaking hates the fact that you got to sit back and watch for things that may or may not be relevant or fun. And, and I looked over at her when they were doing that and she just had this kind of this smirky smile on her face like, Oh, geez. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. yeah Every good. word he was saying spoke directly to her and I just, I watched her more than I watched him, but it was <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. The end credit scenes were great. I did like the allusion to the Sinister Six. I actually was hoping that the Scorpion says, Hey, you know, we have something sinister planned. But maybe that's too on the nose. Maybe that's too on the nose. That like, sounds so corny when you say it. Part of you was kind of hoping for it because Scorpion actually showed up on the boat. He was on the boat before the he end. Was. He was. He was. So. Yeah. I thought must have liked the, uh, that line in Suicide Squad. What are we, some kind of Suicide Squad? Oh, yeah, yeah. so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Right. So I, I think it would be a cool version to have a different. I think Marvel will have a different version of the Sinister Six if they go that route. So yeah. Just, Did you guys feel that there were where there were quote Sony touches on the movie versus MCU touches? Did Did you feel a pull between the two no. styles? No. Yeah. Well, only because no. I know that they the the agreement was that Marvel controls everything. Oh. Okay. I think the marketing was more Sony. Yeah, the, movie the marketing was, was the posters. Were like, <laughs> oh, was you know what? Me. Oh, Anthony, man, I watched the the last trailer yeah, yesterday for the first time. Oh, yeah. And I was like, thank God I didn't yeah. watch it. It yeah. gave out so many things that I just yeah, probably would have not enjoyed in the movie if I had seen it first. Yeah. I, I started watching the Black Panther trailer, and I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? And I was like, what? <laughs> what? And I was like, oh, crap. And I had to like, I that, saw one like, argue, that one arguably is a lot better gets cut into all these different pieces you can't really put together oh, yeah. spider-man one's like what the heck yeah yeah really? there's like a story in the trailer yeah. exactly. exactly it was too much so i think the marketing was sony the movie was definitely marbles so well, let's go into ratings guys we're talking like after rating stuff here let's let's go let's rate it okay uh all right first okay reverse okay so i would give it overall an 8.5 i walked out going for nine because I was like, wow, this is great. I was enthusiastic. I thought about it some more. and I knocked it down for the reasons I mentioned. 8.5 doesn't mean I don't love the movie. I really enjoyed it. So that's kind of my take on it. So wait, it, okay, you said it was in the middle of Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2 for you. Just wonder. All right, so it's an 8.5, and I knocked it down from a 9 because of some of the things I mentioned. So, but it doesn't, I mean, I love the movie overall still. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go, I give it a 9. It's the best of the Spider-Man movies I've seen. Of the Marvel movies I've seen, there's only a couple that I think are better, like the Iron Man and the event Civil War movies. But this is probably one of my favorite Marvel movies I've seen as well. Cool. All right, um, should be Anthony. Anthony then Dot. Anthony, Kai, then Dot, I think. Sure. Um, I'm going to give it um, a solid eight. Um, liked it and had some issues with it. But uh, good potential for for uh, future use of Spider Man. Okay. Moderator. Uh, Who's next? Is it Doc? Uh, I give it a solid nine. I think that uh, uh, again, anything I thought I could nitpick, I could explain away. You guys remember the no prize in Marvel Comics? Yeah, no prize. Yeah, anything you thought was a mistake or an error, if there was a fan. Who could explain it away logically? They get a no prize, right? Yeah. And I find myself giving out no prizes to myself every time I try to think and nitpick. It just can't. It doesn't work for me. 
So it's it's a fantastic movie, well written. Um, everything I, I more or less thought a Spider-Man movie should be in in a modern interpretation. Solid nine. But um, uh, I'll probably have to. I'm hovering between something on like a, a low nine range to to the to the solid nine train as well. Um, but my my motivation comes with the fact that it it portrayed some of the things that I feel should be done more often in movies. Like I'm a good villain, um, and more of the fact of what it represents. Uh, I think this is a great partnership that hopefully represents a progressive one that Sony doesn't sometimes fuck up, <laughs> uh, but it's certainly something, finally, for me, a Spider-Man franchise that I can look forward to and not groan every time I see another movie announced for this, this core hero that is, in a meta sense, down on the hard luck of being in Sony's hands. <laughs> well, they, it's not every single time. It's You didn't like the previous movies, but, well, you know, one and two are still regarded as great movies. You just didn't like the previous. You didn't like any of them, personally. Yeah. So it's a little different. So Right, so personally, it's a pretty giant failure. And the fact that you've gone through three iterations also tells me that it's a bit of a failure as well. Um, so I'm happy that you know, it's in the hands of someone who can do injustice. And I think we can finally see, like, an interesting cinematic version of, of the superhero. Um, and not something that can kind of just be forgotten. So I want to mark you a nine on this, right? It wasn't really going to be higher than like a nine three or nine two or something. I actually think you should give him a nine one for this. Because you said a solid nine and, and a low nine. I think nine one is appropriate. <laughs> oh, God. Now you're using well, score. Because he's not going under nine. Oh, jeez. And he wanted a little more. Well, I'm like lower than other guys. Well, except Anthony. Yeah. Right on, guys. Yeah. It's a good podcast. Went in depth, and uh, I think we all had different opinions about this movie. <laughs> uh, but Ronald's run, so yeah. yeah oh man, we missed Ronald's. I really wanted to hear what he had to say about it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, you know, especially coming off the last one where he was like one of the haters. <laughs> he wasn't the only one. <laughs> yeah, he totally channeled Kai in the last one. <laughs> <laughs> really, he was hating all over Wonder Woman. Not one. Was it Wonder Woman or was it Guardians? I can't remember. There was one where he surprisingly was like that. Man, I just didn't. didn't. Guardians. Guardians it was Guardians too. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about recent. Yeah, Guardians too. Yeah, and, and relative to Wonder Woman, I think at least in Rotten Tomatoes, this one looked better in the ratings. Like, you know, Wonder Woman was way up there, right? You're talking ninety, ninety one, and not really a good as a movie critic. It's not really a good barometer, though. You gotta look yeah, at the average rating. You gotta look at the average rating. That's you do. more accurate. You do, but but there, I found that if you ta- if you take into consideration the rating and the the liked it didn't like it and all four things considered on both sides, then then you can get a pretty good idea of what the movie probably feels like. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, right. But yeah, fantastic. I enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one. All right, Kyle, you want to close it out? Uh. Well, I mean, that's it, right? I don't really know what an outro would be here. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. <laughs> what's, our next, what's, our next, what's our next movie? Oh, uh, probably oh. Thor. I'm going to watch Dunkirk, but I might do a podcast with whoever wants to watch it. 
I think Ronald is going to watch it and then whoever else. But. I'm surprised you even mentioned Dunkirk in this nerd cast because Dunkirk's not really a nerd movie, is it? Uh, not even a sci-fi movie. It's just like a historical drama, right? It's Chris Nolan. What? Oh, so so there's gonna be a sort of sci-fi weird aspect to it. Is that what we're saying? Yes, we're gonna be. There's a wormhole, and he's gonna meet up with Matthew McConaughey. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, I mean, no, no, for real though. I'm just I kidding. No, 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 the story will go in reverse order. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They'll be alternate oh, versions of themselves. Right. In the trailer, it just looks like a historical drama. It's probably gonna be. It's probably gonna be uh, Thor, right? Yeah. Uh, if we're so. talking comic book movies, yes. Wait, when's yeah. Justice League? November, the same time as Thor, actually. All right, well, it'll be one of those two movies. Wait, if it comes out with bad reviews, um, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna watch this this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Anthony. Look, if it, if it, <laughs> if no. it implodes the way Batman versus Superman and Superman did, I probably won't watch it. Yeah, like, like Batman and Superman were so bad. I <laughs> don't even want to see them again on the screen. That was the harshest I've ever heard Ronald talk about any movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He tore that, that like. Gosh, what a horrible set of movies. But Wonder Woman gives me hope. <laughs> so I, I, I consider it just because Wonder Woman did a, did a good job. And Joss Whedon is now taking over Justice League. So sure, sure. Yeah. Can she but, carry all those? Well, but Joss Whedon's not golden to me either. I know. Um, he, he did, he, Age of Ultron wasn't exactly. Of miss. Yeah, that one would be poorly written. Yeah. Exactly. But he expressed how he didn't like that completely either, too, so we'll see. Yeah, it might not have been all him. Per yeah, se. Agreed. agreed. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Okay. Let's close it out. Right, guys. Thanks, guys. Nice job, gentlemen. Nice job, Kai, for moderating. Good job, Kai. Good job, Kai. Thank you, sir. <laughs>